How you doing? Uh, you know, I've uh, I've had worse situations. Have you? <laughs> been sitting uh, on a outside on a on a very pleasant summer afternoon. Yes, sir. In St. Paul, beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota. Beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, outside of uh, we are on location. Once again, when was the last time we were in the studio? It's been a while. It's been a long time. You know, kind of nomads like that. We are uh, on location at 11 Wells Spirits. My first time here. Not my first time. I love this place. Yeah, it's a, it's a, neat, it's a neat place. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun show. We've got Seth here from 11 Wells. going to talk to us about what they are doing. And uh, we've also got Kevin from Boom Island. And uh, I want to welcome a brand new sponsor to the Minnesota Beer Cast. And uh, thank you very much to the Freehouse, new title sponsor of the Minnesota Beer Cast. I was just at the Freehouse uh, a couple nights ago before the uh, Twins game. Uh, patio season yeah. is here. They have an amazing patio right in downtown Minneapolis, and uh, uh, the food's fantastic. We've talked to you about their beer a number of times. Yeah, I mean, patio season is, is tough to beat. I mean, we stay closed indoors, you know, all winter long. That's me. We're on the patio right now doing a show. So That's right. we probably will be doing one next week. We, uh, we will be uh, next week. We will be at the Freehouse mm-hmm. uh, doing the show there in downtown Minneapolis. So I uh, encourage you Thursday afternoon, uh, swing on by, say hello, watch us uh, do the beer cast. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do it out on the patio. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to be traveling for uh, oh, my right. part-time gig. So um, you know, maybe we'll see if Matt wants to sit in for me from the Freehouse or maybe we'll have somebody else uh, fill these, That's these right. shoes. I'm flying solo next week. Well, That's I mean, my show. I'll be with you in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so again, thank you to the Free House. Go there, enjoy their food, enjoy their beer. It's an awesome establishment, and we are very grateful uh, for them for uh, sponsoring the Minnesota Beer Cast. Well, let's uh, let's get into uh, some whiskey, Seth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you've uh, you've poured us uh, a couple fine glasses of of whiskey here. What are we uh, What are we drinking to get the show started? Uh, I poured you guys our first straight rye whiskey and that came out of our first 30 gallon barrels uh, so it's a pretty special one that uh, just went to the distributor a couple of weeks ago so that should be on all the local shelves it tastes pretty special so how long has uh, has it taken for this batch to go from i guess conception to my glass here so from grain to bottle uh, that would be about 27 months Uh, so it's been two years in the barrel uh, a week fermenting a day distilling and then uh, a month proofing down to bottle strength and a day to bottle so it's uh, good job yeah thank you thank you uh, uh, that's tough for uh, I mean how long you guys been open now Uh, May of 14th Sorry? May of 14. Okay. Um, that's, you know, and I imagine this is something that a lot of distilleries sort of have to struggle with in their, in their early years because that's an investment, you know, that you're making. You're, you cost money to, to create this stuff, and it's not going to be ready to ready to sell, ready to get that return for a number of years. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, that, that's got to be a little daunting, you know, the, that first time around, right? It's a long haul, yeah, especially if you, you know, want to put out properly aged products um you know a lot of us in the early years put out young whiskey and that was just the age of the industry at the time and now we're you know we're all getting a little older and we've got a bunch of barrels sitting around and you know we've got some that are as old as we are you know but we're not going to open those ones for a while well i open them and t- check them out time time, uh, they're not going to get dumped and put out it's a rough gig quite a while yeah it's, somebody's got to do it um but what's, is, what's the minimum 
you know, for if you're going to do it right, you know, you want some decent quality. What's the minimum that you can uh, that you need to leave it in there for? Well, it de- it depends on the barrel size and how you cut the spirit. You, you can get good whiskey out of small barrels in short amount of time, but you have to cut it really clean because it's not going to have the time it needs to... Can you to, explain for people sure. who, so, um, like me what yeah. cutting it means? <laughs> so uh, so when you distill, you're, you're separating everything by its boiling point. And there are lighter things that are very unpleasant, and there are heavier things that are very unpleasant, and all the delicious stuff is in the middle. The heads and the tails. The right? heads and tails right. are, uh, are the unpleasant ends of things, um, but they do have some positive characters in them that over time in a barrel create different kinds of esters and other flavor profiles as it ages. Um, so you gotta kind of play with it to, to pull that cut out, the, the heart's cut out of the middle of it. <clears throat> and the bigger the barrel and the longer it's going to age, the further you can push into the tails and get some of these heavier fatty acids that over time in combination with ethanol and oxygen coming into the barrel you create all these complex ester compounds that are the fruity floral characters that uh, are not inherent in the grain or the barrel i was going to ask you that question not to put you off on a tangent but i've always heard that you know the the heads you don't want to play too much with the heads but the tails if you're looking to add quote-unquote character to your spirit that you know the percentage of the the tails that you include in your cut is really where you can add or or not add character to what you're doing is that yeah, that's that, that's pretty accurate yeah it's um the long-term flavor compound development comes from that end of the heart's cut and and so if you're going into a small barrel that's not going to spend a lot of time in there before it's not going to have enough time in that barrel before it gets scorched with oak and just becomes oak juice <laughs> you know which isn't terrible you know but it's not balanced it's not kind of what we're going for we're trying to frame the grain character with the oak flavors and um, but if you're going to go into a big barrel for a long time you can push further in if you're going to put spirit in a smaller barrel for a shorter period of time you're not going to be able to get a lot of that ester development so the the batch that we're drinking now you said came out of a, a 30 30 gallon barrel is that correct, correct. which is, is a little smaller than standard is that right right the 53s are kind of the the big standard um we started in fives then we did fives and tens then we did fives tens and 15s and then got 30s and 53s we haven't bought a five or a 10 in about a year and a half almost two years now uh and we haven't filled a 15 in probably about eight or nine months uh, so we've gone all the way to the 53 and 30 gallon format, but our 53s won't be ready for a couple of years. So is that just by the the amount of product that you're producing, or is that because you want more surface area and the product isn't going to age as long? Or what's the what's the thought and strategy behind the the barrel size? Um, a couple of things. Uh, you you can the bigger the barrel, the longer you can leave it in there. The the more ester development you get the more concentration of flavors you get as the angels take their share. Uh, And it's a cost as a factor. The small barrels are almost as much as a full barrel, and you're only getting five cases out of a five-gallon barrel. You're getting 30 cases out of a 30-gallon barrel for the same, pretty much the same cost. Right. So it's it's dollars and cents, and it's, you know, craftsmanship. You know, we want to be able to to lay it down for a long time. You can get a great two-year-old whiskey out of a five-gallon barrel, but more often than not, they're pretty scorched. So, what do you mean by scorched? Way over oaked. It's just that's all it is. You know, it's um, you lose a lot of the grain expression, and you can't get enough ester development 
pipe, you know, it's not going to have time to, to esterify those fatty acids and then, you know. Since this is your uh, first appearance on our show, welcome, first of all. Thank, oh, thank you for you. having us out. We really appreciate it. Uh, why don't you give our listeners just sort of a uh, sort of the headline rundown of of what they can expect when they when they come visit? What are what are your specialties? What do you what do you hang your hat on? Uh, so uh, we like to think of ourselves as whiskey guys, but uh, we we've got 17 products. You know, we've got five whiskeys, three rums, five liqueurs, vodka and gin, um, which is great now that our cocktail room is opening up because we can do tons of different cocktails. Uh, we've got a really great guy who's super passionate about cocktails running that. Um, we were supposed to soft open this weekend, but due to the great historic nature of our building we had a catastrophic plumbing failure <laughs> under a wall through yeah so uh we're, we're gonna get that fixed and we're gonna get open up uh next weekend um and then as soon as they finish this access road uh that we can see and your listeners cannot uh, <laughs> uh we'll do our grand opening the mayor will come out we'll have a big old party it'll be a good time um but we'll be open weekends thursday friday saturdays going forward starting next weekend cool well, you'll have to uh send us a link and we'll share it with the audience when uh when the you know grand opening is all set in stone yeah, and we'll, uh, posted for sure. Absolutely. You know, and i'm not too far away so I'll, I'll be here yeah i may i'll swing by too yeah sure you will i might <laughs> I, I love cocktails <laughs> all right we are up against a break more from minnesota beer cast presented by the free house uh recording on location at 11 wells spirits coming up right after this it's here tickets for our 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival are on sale now. Tonight on one stage. T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas. There's nothing else like it. Our 2018 iHeartRadio Music Festival. Hosted by Ryan Seacrest. This festival is insane. While the world is listening. Stephanie Shimp here with my friend Rosie for all the Blue Plate restaurants. You know, that felt a little backwards. Well, kind of like this spring weather. We're ready for patio season. Yeah, sipping a freehouse beer in the best patio in the North Loop before a ball game. Or riding your bike to our large patio at Longfellow Grill. Or dining al fresco at Three Squares, the Lowry, or Mercury Dining Room at Rail. So once spring finally arrives, we have a patio seat waiting for you and plenty of food and drinks, too. I can't wait. The Blue Plate Restaurant Company, online at blueplateco.com. Enjoying uh, their uh, their rye whiskey uh, again. Thanks for uh, for having us out. I got a I got a question for you. Yeah. Well, that's Schmitty. Let me introduce my co-host. I'm sorry, I, I hit <laughs> <Thanks>. your mic <laughs> with my with my wild gesticulations. <laughs> committed the uh, the unforgivable sin of knocking your mic. I apologize. Um, so we have a lot of brewers on the show, and one thing that a lot of them say is like when they go to a new brewery, when they go check something out, uh, the first thing they'll try is the lager because you can tell if, a, if they make a good lager, if they nail a lager, then then you know then you can pretty much rest assured that the rest of their stuff is going to be good. Is there a similar allegory, sort of, in the in the world of spirits? Uh, like when you're trying a new a new distillery, a new tap room, is there something that you know, as a, as a experienced distiller yourself, that you could try that gives you an indication as to whether or not they're they're on point? Um, yeah, I uh, I just aged spirits. Uh, you know, I'm looking for balance. I'm looking for a little age, but. You know, I've been impressed by young whiskeys and old whiskeys alike. So it's, you know, the industry isn't so far along yet that there's a, a benchmark, you know. 
but the, there's so much booze <laughs> you know when you go back into a place like that you kind of got to set yourself well I'm going to try you know a rye and a bourbon or if they make a rum you know, I'm going to try their rums you know? what are your thoughts on I mean you mentioned young whiskey what's your thoughts on the, the white lightning or the, the white whiskey the stuff that's not been in in a barrel yet hasn't touched any wood I mean I see it as a as a consumer, and I know that you know the the distillers that are starting out and don't have that product that's been sitting and aging for a while have have product they want to you know pay bills right. But as a consumer, I don't. It's not it's not what I you know find appealing. What are what are your thoughts on it as a, as a producer? Well, you know, we sell a lot of it, and so I can't... So you like it, then? <laughs> I like it in that aspect, you know, and everybody's got to start somewhere, you know. You start with cheap beer, cheap wine, or, you know, unaged spirits, you know, and you, your tastes develop over time, so there's always a place for things like that, uh -huh. you know. And uh, But the market for that is the electric company, <laughs> you know, that's just to keep the lights on and... Sure. You know, but... People, people, we well, sell a lot of it. So. You can't, you can't argue the the almighty dollar, right? If if people buy it, you you got to make it. Yeah, the bulk of it, our white whiskey goes into barrels now, uh, and I. But we cut it differently. You know, if you're cutting your white whiskey to be a white spirit, that was say, my next question. If there's any difference, the tail, yeah, it's you, you, we get, you know, maybe sixty five percent of what we would have got if we were going to cut it for the barrel because we're staying away from any of those unpleasant characters so it's is is the margin wildly different if you're not putting out as much product because you're you're clearing out way more of the tail but you don't have to age it the turnaround is way quicker right right uh well we reclaim all of our faints and and redistill the good uh ethanol out of that for use in our cocktail collection um and so we don't actually lose out on any of that. So it just it gets uh, upcycled into uh, you know another product. So we do everything from grain to glass here. We don't bring in any commercial NGS. Uh, you know, and we we reclimate our uh, our faints. Tell, tell us about that process because that sounds really cool. So when you you know you're you're distilling and you're separating things by boiling points, there are no straight lines. It's all just a spectrum of chemicals that are coming over at, at different temperatures, and so there's still plenty of good ethanol in the heads and tails. You just have to collect enough of them up and do the same thing again. You know, you, you get them narrow where hearts cut, but it's really pure because uh, it's been distilled a couple of times by that point. Uh, and then I collect a tank of that, and then I run it through again to get it up to 190 and, and fairly characterless. Uh, and then we... Uh, we mix up our liqueurs with that. So. Nice. So one thing we, we have, yeah, I don't think I've ever talked about on this show is liqueurs. And I think it's really neat that you guys are, are doing liqueurs. Give me a little craft liqueur 101. Uh, so we went through a lot of iterations for a number of them. Uh, we, uh, one of my former assistants was uh, just a real keen botanical uh she was really great bartender, really uh, put a lot of thought into it, and it took about three months for her to develop our dry vermouth, which is 33 botanicals. Uh, I make the wine and then the brandy and then blend them back together after macerating the botanicals in them. And I use uh, cold climate grapes for that. And then, um, like, uh, we're coming out with a coffee liqueur now. That's pretty straightforward, you know. It so what's the what's the what's the difference between a, a a liqueur and a spirit? 
So a liqueur is uh, less than 60% alcohol, or 60% alcohol or less. Uh, it's it's flavored, it's sweet, you know, there's there's so many of them out there, it's hard to define it by more than what the TTB is telling you. It's a liqueur, you know, it's, right. you know, it's below 60 or 70% by volume and is a mix of... You have to submit a formula to the TTB. It's not like a straightforward thing. So it's it's you got spirits. You have to spirits. submit a formula to, to who? The Tax and Trade Bureau, who regulates all the breweries and distilleries and wineries, and says what we can make and what defines a bourbon and what defines you know a beer and really. Yeah, I did. I was not aware of that. And how much we pay them in excise tax? Yes, <laughs> yes. We're just holding on to their money. <laughs> right. So do You're they just ever a tax collector? <laughs> do they ever say you know hey this is a uh, you should not be putting wormwood in your uh, liqueur or anything like that do they do they ever come back at you and say eh, we think maybe not no uh there is a, a list of generally accepted ingredients yeah and uh it's there are things like cherry juice and wormwoods on there and you know fennel it didn't any number of things. And then there's a list of things that definitively cannot be put directly into a spirit, like tobacco. Uh, but you can redistill a tobacco alcohol because then there's no nicotine in it, which is gotcha. the hard way. Hey, hey Seth, if it's, if it's on that list of accepted ingredients, do you still have to uh, submit the formula to the TTB? Because in the brewing industry, there's that list of accepted ingredients that they just put out just a couple years ago. And if, you're, if yours is on that and it's not distributed uh, interstate commerce, then you don't have to. Uh, no, it, with with liqueurs, a uh, a formula has to be submitted so that they can approve the label as well, and then they're making sure you're not just sticking stuff together. What's the process? And and this could be asked for for the beer world as well. But what's the process of if you're an innovative? creative distiller or brewer and you want to create a liqueur or a beer that has an ingredient that isn't on that list right but tastes amazing there's no like health risk or anything like that uh, is there a process for getting something like that approved there is I have not trudged that road. Yeah, so I imagine I cannot it's speak probably. It. <laughs> I, I have uh, Kevin from Boom Island here. I, I've uh, done that, and actually, it was uh, a, our spiced Christmas beer the very first year that we opened, and I had ingredients in that that were holiday spices. And at that point, they didn't have the list of acceptable ingredients, and so I did have to file that full uh, formula. And Do that they would come in like. I don't know, drink a growler no. of it just to be sure. <laughs> well, I want they, that job. I, I want that yeah. job. That's the best government job ever. <laughs> it takes a little longer is the only thing. So if it's for us, if it's on that list of accepted ingredients, you don't even have to submit it. You can just brew it. Yeah. Uh, but if it's not, now we have to submit the formula, and it might take up to two or three months before it's approved. Yeah. Okay. You guys are all making IPAs. That's fine. They're cloudy. We don't need to see everything in it, right? Just go ahead and make your IPAs. Make your stupid, hazy IPA. <laughs> Careful, you're gonna offend the listener. Hey, I like the hazy idea. Delicate sensibilities, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. So, Seth, you, you're making liqueurs, you're making spirits. Are you guys doing sodas too? You're making all those cocktails straight from scratch? Uh, we are not okay. yet. Um, but Brandon's been playing around with some things, and 
uh, it's not as easy speed. as it's not you know that's why I'm not running the cocktail room you know, <laughs> I, I uh, I'm a whiskey neat kind of guy and uh, he's got a huge passion for cocktail creation and, and can you give us any that? previews of some things that might be happening in your cocktail room or is it still a work in progress any unique cocktails that are being um, concocted well you're you're a whiskey neat guy but what's the best cocktail that he's going to do in there so uh we've got one called old sport and it's uh it's rye cherry allspice lime juice it's it's quite good and then uh we've got one uh when you come in ask the bartenders the story about it but it's little nikki's harriet island iced tea (laughs) it's uh it's delicious and dangerous (laughs) is that a play on the old uh, long island it is yep but we it's all our own stuff that's all we can serve in here but uh you know we've got enough things that we can make a, a mean one. I used to be a big fan of the Long Islands. U- used to be, back in my younger days. Yeah. They're still pretty tasty. <laughs> well, they, they are. That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> it is the problem. Yeah. Luckily, I only live like four minutes away from here. <laughs> All right, we are up against another break. We're going to uh, catch up with uh, with Kevin from Boom Island out here at Eleven Well Spirit again, recording on location. We'll be right back. This is the Minnesota Beer Cast presented by the Freehouse. Find us on your radio at AM 1130 and FM 103.5. Stream us on iHeartRadio. And now find us on... Hey, Alexa, play Twin Cities News Talk on iHeartRadio. Getting Twin Cities News Talk station from iHeartRadio. Thanks, Alexa. From the Cremation Society of Minnesota Weather Center. Part- be uh, doing the show outside here at Eleven Wells Spirits. Yes, sir. It's so, pretty, uh, pretty neat location. The the fact that uh, you guys are located, the uh, historic uh, Hams Brewery site. It's neat, neat to see this space being reused and repurposed. So, uh, congrats to you guys and uh, the rest of the crew here, Seth, and in you know putting this space back to use. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, we're uh, we're helping bring back the East Side. Um, you know, we're kind of a destination spot now with you know Flat Earth's been there and mm-hmm. now. We're opening up, and as soon as they finish this bypass road, the patios will basically be connected to each other. So, yeah. you know, we're a little, uh, little drinking spot in a little pocket of the east side. Kind so. of a bummer that your uh, east side brother, uh, the Ward 6, closed down recently. That's that's That was sucks. a darn shame, yeah. Uh, I love that spot. At least I did. That's that's not enough to keep him in business. Apparently, man, I was I was I was in there fairly regularly. So yeah, as was I. Yeah, that's too bad. But you know, hopefully, there's another spot that's gonna you know open up and move in, and you know, maybe make that model work. I think there's a, a lot of upheaval in the uh, the restaurant business uh, around town lately. I'd be interested to know how how that relates to the the rest of the nation. If that's a, a national trend with you know that kind of upheaval those changes that we're seeing to more of a, a quick service you know model or yeah, if it's it something does that's seem like isolated it to seems like tastes are changing you know yeah. uh, it seems like what uh, what what consumers are looking for or what restaurant goers are looking for is uh is shifting a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. for sure and I, I think you know restaurateurs are, are you know struggling to adapt to meet what people are looking for clearly so i think yeah. that's why we're seeing a lot of those changes kind of disrupt the marketplace but let's that's uh, a different show. Sorry, we're not the Minnesota Restaurant Cast. Well, but we could be. <laughs> we could be. We've got more sponsorship <laughs> spots available. If you're interested, <laughs> let us know. 
Let's uh, let's shift the conversation to beer a little bit, Kevin. You brought some delicious beer for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime. So what uh, what are we drinking here? I uh, brought over our Belgian Abbey style double, which is named Hoodoo. It's at eight percent. Um, Abbey style, meaning uh, this is a tradition that's uh, brewed by the monks within the abbey walls in, in, in Belgium. It's a tradition that dates back centuries. So if you don't put style behind the abbey, did the monks come hunt you down and take take some out of your hide? I'm or? probably being a little bit over careful with that. But, uh, <laughs> and if you, if you spell double, like D-O-U-B-L-E, do people come and, and, and attack you? It would likely save a lot of confusion. <laughs> right? <laughs> Get get uh, frequently uh, customers coming like, can I have the double, 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 the double? Is this a double? Is it a double box? That's box. one of the other frequent questions. Oh really? Like, well, oh. you know what? If, if but you that's get a actually frequent question, why don't you take this opportunity it's to... a wonderful chance to to have a conversation and yeah. uh, provide a little bit of uh, in, insight. That's what we do here. That's what we do. We, we educate <laughs> and so, inform while we drink. <laughs> the uh, the hoodoo. You guys have that year-round, correct? That's a year-round beer of ours. Yep. You guys have some special releases coming up, though, right? Yeah, we've got the uh, the beer that I call Cuvée de Boom, which is uh, which I've brewed for five years. It's always uh, around 11%, 12%. Ends up like a sparkling wine because I use uh, almost 50% uh, grape juice in that. And then I carbonated it up a la méthode champenoise, which would be the same uh, method that uh, the old method method of, uh, of making champagne where the yeast would still be in the bottle. And this is the modern-day tradition of how Belgian beers are, from, are, are carbonated. Walk us through that process because it sounds very French. All right. Well, they actually <laughs> learned it from the French, which is why you have a cork in the cage on the bottle. But, uh, do you use baguettes <laughs> while you make it? Imports <laughs> well, I eat a few. do it for him. <laughs> so what happens is once the beer is completely done fermenting, then you take the flat beer and you... Add a little bit of fermentable sugar uh-huh. and some nice fresh yeast, and it's warm and flat. Enough fermentable sugar to add the beer to the bottle, seal off the bottle with the cork in the cage, and then it has one final fermentation within that bottle, and it builds up 100% natural carbonation. Um, the natural carbonation uh, in Belgium, everyone is very, very passionate about this. It says, um, it, actually, that's why we have uh, carbonated beer, period. But 90%, 99% actually of beer has carb, carb uh, CO2 coming in from a separate tank, mm-hmm. pushing it in there to artificially imitate this natural carbonation process. Right. So was that something that, I guess, the... American brewers changed, or was that just something that developed over time where, you know, this this works better to just add carbonation as opposed to you know, doing it this traditional method. It, it became a um, it became a lot easier to do that, uh, and it was industrialization. Uh, as as big industrial beer comes along, it, and you need to crank through it in large quantities, it takes time. the The problem is when we put this beer in the bottles, we have to sit on that beer for three to four weeks 
while that final ref that final fermentation happens and builds its carbonation, but then it also produces some green flavors, like an early fermented beer. Um, so you have to let that age out as well. So there's a lot of time you have to sit on it sure. until it gets to that point. But if you take your uh, fully finished beer, cool it down, jet some CO2 into it, stick it in a bottle, then you can uh, send it right out to the shelves. The problem is shelf life at that point. Okay, so is it, there's a difference in shelf life between the naturally carbonated versus forced carbonated beer? That's correct. How, yeah. how does that play out? What's the process behind that, that difference? It's the eternal struggle with forced carbonated beer. This is the, um, the way most industrial beer is made today. The eternal struggle is preventing oxygen from getting in and staling the beer. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why you would have a born on date or a best by date. Sure. Um, in naturally fermented beer, you don't have that because what happens is during that re-fermentation in the bottle, the, that headspace, which we all, which all breweries try to get excavate and get rid of, scavenge out all of the oxygen before they put that cap on it. Mm -hmm. We don't really care because during that re-fermentation in the bottle, the yeast is going to consume that oxygen and replace it with CO2. Oh, so you've got brilliant. no dissolved oxygen left in the liquid, and it has an almost, well, it wouldn't say permanent, but it has a very, very long shelf life. Man, science is tasty. See, learn something new every week that's, here on the Minnesota Beer delicious Beercast. science you just laid on us. <laughs> so I'm, well, I'm guessing that the, you know, one of the advantages to that forced carb is you're able to really have a more consistent level of carbonation, right? Consistent level of carbonation. Carbonation. Yep, we're relying on nature because we're uh, we're hoping that that yeast that's in that bottle is going to ferment out the measured amount of sugar, which will produce a given amount of alcohol, good, but also a measured amount of carbon dioxide. Is there is there any risk of variations or inconsistency from bottle to bottle when you do this method? The only inconsistency that I can that comes straight to mind is if there's a bottle that's not clean. Okay. And if you if you have some sort of other contaminant in that bottle, some sort of wild yeast that could ferment extra beyond what your bottling yeast would would be able to ferment, then it might give you or overcarbonation. How I mean, how common is is that? Has that ever happened? Is that something that it it happens. It doesn't happen much now, but in the early days it happened, but on rare occasions. Okay. Um, but I'm going to tell you that's a, that's quite a scary thing, and that's also why nobody does that these days, because it it was about an eight-month learning curve in the very beginning, and we had to just let them. And it, this was after the three month, the three weeks that we had to let it carbonate up. We would still have to sit on that beer longer to make sure that it had that stability and that it didn't continue fermenting and overcarbonate. These days, it almost never happens. We've improved process over the years. Right. So your uh, your cuvee that's coming out. When uh, when can we expect to uh, to see some of that hitting the shelves? Or are you going to have a release party for it? Yep. The release party for that one is uh, our annual beer festival boom days and that's uh, always aligns with Belgian National Day. We do all Belgian style beers. Uh, so it's July 13th, 14th and 15th. Uh, this year we've got a we've got a theme of uh, beer bands and bicycles. There you go. So uh, on that we're releasing the cuvee on that uh, on that Friday. We'll also have a petite rosé, which will also be a wine hybrid rosé beer. I did that last year at full strength at 12 percent, and boy was it a hit. <laughs> nice. um, so we'll have that one at about 7.5 percent this year. So you don't have to drink the 11 percent uh, crushers of the cuvee over and over. You can tone it down if you need to. 
if, if, um, you, if you must. If you must. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to. But we'll have a fun day of bikes. There'll be music all weekend long. Uh, but the uh, that cuvee will be released on Friday, the uh, 13th of July. But on the 14th, we'll have a, a day full of bikes. We'll have uh, uh, Velofix, mobile bike repair, along with Tang- Tangletown Bikes. And they'll be uh, spiffing up your bikes if you have any uh, issues there. And along with a, a, a wonderful charitable organization called Full Cycle. And so if you have any um, old bikes that you don't use or uh, that are not in working condition, you can come by and donate those. What this uh, what this group Full Cycle does is they take these bikes and they they work with homeless children and they don't give the bikes to them. Mm-hmm. They actually give them paid internships and teach them how to do bike repair. That's cool. And so we'll be loading them all up on the van, putting, taking them over to the warehouse and uh, delivering them over to uh, Full Cycle. Teach what are the dates fish? on this like again? That. It's July 13th, 14th, and 15th. All right. Should probably mention just a little bit about the fifteenth. Yeah. I always do, uh, do Home Brewer Appreciation Day on the fifteenth, so and so th- this is a it's a whole afternoon of lectures. I do a homebrew competition. If you have any Belgians that you've homebrewed and laid down, uh, then please bring them by the brewery and uh, print off the uh, you know the entries, and we'll do we'll do a whole BJCP comp- uh, style competition there. But but we'll do uh, Northern Brewers going to join us, and they're going to do uh, a talk on homebrewing. I'm need any extra judges absolutely okay all right absolutely I, I volunteer myself as I'm tribute i'm gonna I'll keep that day open in case you guys you know, <laughs> need an extra hand i'll be doing a talk on uh on yeast propagation and how to prepare slants how to how to uh work with your petri dishes and uh and grow and isolate single strain yeasts and uh and then how to grow them up into pitchable uh, amounts to to ferment your beer Nice. I, I can attest to that. He uh, he gave me a couple of slants. What going on ten years ago now? Uh, when I back in the uh, back in the home homebrew days. Yeah, um, it was good stuff. You still going strong? No, it's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you doing straight yeast, or uh, are you going to have some of the uh, the funky stuff uh, that you're going to talk about too? Oh, we'll have the funky stuff too. Yeah, we'll we'll have a cranberry uh, sour by then, and then we'll have our uh, we'll have our creek uh, two-year barrel-aged uh, spontaneously fermented uh, Belgian-style lambic, uh, kind of lambic style. You have to say style because it's like champagne. You can't call it a lambic, right. even though it's the same process. But anyhow, that's a wonderful sour that's naturally soured. Uh, it's not a kettle sour. But we'll have two, two varieties of that by then. Thanks. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, that's a great, 13, uh, 14, like a great weekend. 15. We'll be there. All right. Uh, people can find out more information at your Facebook page, your website, anything like that? Yep. All Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Boom Island, Boom Island uh, Beer, uh, BoomIslandBrewing.com is the website. All the go. info is there. Perfect. Sweet. All right. Uh, coming up, last segment. Got to take one more break. Final segment of this week's Minnesota Beer Cast presented by the Freehouse coming up right after this. So I just discovered DazzleMe.com. It's a totally addictive new jewelry site with big name luxury brands. And you know which ones I'm talking about. Unique designers that you can't find anywhere else. All at a fraction of the price. I'm going back on DazzleMe.com tonight. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. There's a common thread I see. Stephanie Ship here with my friend Rosie for all the Blue Plate restaurants. You know, that felt a little backwards. Well, kind of like this spring weather. We're ready for patio season. Yeah, sipping a Freehouse beer on the best patio in the North Loop before a ball game. Or right 
your bike to our large patio at Longfellow Grill. Or dining al fresco at Three Squares, the Lowry, or Mercury Dining Room at Rail. So once spring finally arrives, we have a patio seat waiting for you and plenty of food and drinks, too. I can't wait. The Blue Plate Restaurant Company, online at blueplateco.com. I'm not on top. That sounds weird. Don't stay on top of the show. Follow the show. You know, and we get... If you want to talk, you have to hold the microphone and turn it on and speak into it, or nobody can hear you, Schmitty. I was going to say, after a couple whiskeys, if you want to get on top of the show. <laughs> you know. DMs are open. That's all, that's all we're saying. <laughs> get the iHeartRadio apps. Follow the Minnesota BeerCast channel, and there you'll get notified every time new episodes are posted. And again, uh, I do want to remind you, next week, uh, recording an episode from the Freehouse in downtown. Brand new sponsor of the Minnesota BeerCast. Thank you to them. Go there. Enjoy their amazing beer. Enjoy their amazing food. And when you do, thank them for sponsoring the Minnesota BeerCast. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Well, let's, uh, Kevin, you had a, uh, an event you wanted to mention for, uh, you have coming up at the brewery. Why don't you run through that real quick? Yeah, we got a really cool one this weekend, uh, Saturday 23rd. It's called uh, Pints and Purrs, and uh, it's a benefit for feline rescue in St. Paul. And um, we, it'll be complete with a with a kitten therapy tent. Oh, 10 minutes. That's awesome. Smothered with kittens. And a uh, <laughs> little kitten fa- uh, kitty, kitty fashion show. And then followed by uh, Boom Room Jazz, which we do every Saturday night um, at 7 o'clock. I want to know what a kitty fashion show is. Well, you have to come and see. Right. <laughs> I'm coming for the kitty therapy. I, I love little kitties. I'm not a, a cat guy because they kind of have an attitude problem. But if, if you don't love little furry, cuddly kitties, you got something wrong with you. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're kind of un-American. <laughs> that, that kitty therapy tent's a big hit every time. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> and uh, uh, Seth, you want to run through the details of uh, your grand opening once too? Uh, sure. So uh, grand opening will be announced uh, when we when they know they're going to finish this road project. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the soft public opening it will be next Thursday the 28th, 29th, and 30th, and then we'll be open uh, every weekend after that. Uh, Thursday hours are five to nine, and then five to ten Friday, and four to ten Saturday. Very good. We have uh, time to run through any news, Drew? What do yeah, you I got a couple items here. I thought this article was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of people, we were talking earlier about the uh, the Belgian tradition, the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years that uh, they went into crafting uh, the, the, the beers that were able to now replicate, you know, uh, their, their processes today in, in a much quicker time. Uh, but uh, this one's kind of cool. And I'm waiting for the first, uh, first like, craft brewery to, to do a replicate of this. Archaeologists in Sweden have found carbonized germinated grains showing that malt was produced for beer brewing as early as the Iron Age in the Nordic region. That's sweet. We found carbonized malt in an area with low temperature ovens located in a separate part of the settlement. The findings are from the 400s to 600s. Wow. Making them one of the earliest evidence of beer brewing in Sweden. That's pretty sweet. I always heard the Egyptians were uh, were big into the uh, fermentables. Yeah, I never. I don't think of Sweden when I think of ancient beer. Well, there's an argument to be made that I've heard uh, other people make, and I don't remember it, so I'm not going to try to make it. But something to the effect of, you know, it was that discovery of not beer, but you know. Uh, Spirits, libations, and such that sort of led to society becoming, 
you know, becoming a thing. People gathering together and advancing sort of as a group and as a society. Yeah, uh, alcohol will make itself. You know, we're just controlled spoilage artists. We're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're trying to make it taste good. Yeah, no. It, it'll make itself. It definitely goes along with, I mean, that, I think that development of, of agriculture where, hey, you've got a bunch of seeds sitting around and look, oh, look, look what happens. Frothy. <laughs> right? Hey, Larry, go try that one. See what, see what happens. Larry tried stuff from a cow once. He said it was good. Let's see if he'll drink the stuff that's bubbling in that jar over there. Sure enough, Larry says it's good. Pass it around. <laughs> we got ourselves a party. <laughs> you know, water's not always clean. Hey, you, you know, know and when, when you don't have clean water, beer's your next best thing. The, uh... Other story I have here. Let me find it. Uh, we got another list. Oh, I love lists. We got another list. The uh, 16th annual Best Beers in America. This is from homebrewersassociation.org. Not .com. All right. All right. So, They're an org. So they already, they, already lose, they already get a ding of credibility there. No. They were the second ones. I didn't know it adds to your credibility. If they're not a commercial entity, if they're actually an org, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Clearly, this is a, a not-for-profit. Right. Uh, so they did the top-ranked beers in America. I don't know their... Uh, Okay, they asked their readers to submit votes. So you got a lot of ties on here. Mm. Um, but uh, the, the number one beer, according to their readers, is Bell's Two Hearted Ale. Uh, you know, it's a damn good beer. I'm not going to argue with that. I agree. It yeah. is a good beer. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it the best beer in America, but... Yeah, but I've, if you're making a list, you got to pick one. I ain't ever going to turn it down. I've ordered right? it more than once myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> as have I. Number two, uh, this one is... Uh, it, it, this, this is one of those beers that's almost getting like cult-like status, mm-hmm. because it's not available everywhere, but everybody seems to go nuts for it. It's uh, Russian River Pliny the Elder. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What's that one? I don't know. If, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a good it. beer. I've had it. I had it once. A uh, friend brought it back for me, and yeah, it was it was good. I mean, I don't know how you... I, I find that when you have beers that are unavailable and people can't stop raving about, it almost builds up the hype and anticipation too much so sure. when i do finally drink it i'm like uh, it's fine it's i mean but it's a good beer people want what they can't have i mean that's yeah. you know some some guys like having a girlfriend some guys like chasing girls you know it's it's that same thing where it's you want what you can't have i think number that really three on this list uh, the alchemist heady topper yeah Number four, Bell's Hop Slam. Bell's getting uh, two in the top four. Again, another solid beer. And then you got three tied at number five, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, Founders uh, CBS, their Canadian Breakfast Out, and Founders KBS, their Kentucky Breakfast Out. Man, I shouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't allow ties in my list. That's kind of a. If you're doing well, especially that combo. Tallies, yeah, it's, it's cheating. You can't allow ties. Well, you, then you got, what would you? What would you use a tie? If you're asking people to submit their votes, mm-hmm. and uh, three beers get the same number of votes, what would you do? I don't know. It's my list. I guess I'd choose. <laughs> All ties broken by whatever I feel That's like right. drinking that That's day. Right. It's my list. Deal with it. <laughs> Uh, KBS is uh, is fantastic. I, I was able to enjoy that uh, on on tap when I was down in New Orleans. It was it was really good. It is. I uh, I had a nice vertical of KBS going for a while, and then it got too much of a, a hassle for me to get my hands on. So uh, I don't really try to look for it anymore. If I happen across it, which I never do, I'll buy some. Otherwise, it's kind of like the other beers. There's other beer that's good that's on the shelf. I'll grab that. They also ranked the uh, top breweries. 
in America. And uh, not surprisingly, based on you know two entries in the top four, Bells uh, came in at number one. Yeah. Followed by Founders, Russian River, Sierra Nevada, and uh, Firestone Walker rounding out the top five. Makes Again, sense. I can't really, you know, I'm not going to quibble with with that too much. Yeah, you know, I, as far as Russian River, I've only had a few beers from them. You know, we talked about the Pliny I've had there. What's the other one? Consecration and, and a few of their other um, beers. But I haven't had a wide variety of, of their beers. But, I mean, if the people choose it. Only so uh, it. one Minnesota brewery represented in the top, whatever, 20, 25 breweries on this list. Uh, I'll, I'll, let you, uh, I'll let you guess which one. Boom Island. <laughs> right? Nope. Surly. Oh, no, Thanks I, for the cred, though, Schmitty. See, again, if this that. was my list, it'd be Boom Island. Surly coming in at uh, number 14 on this list. And uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Minnesota Beercast. We are out of time. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Love and Well Spirits, having us out on location. We'd love to come back. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, coming out and checking us out. Thank sure. you, uh, Kevin from Boom Island, for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure Thanks here, too. Bringing, bringing Thanks as well, Seth. Drinks. All right. And we will be at the Freehouse uh, welcoming our brand new sponsor to the show next Thursday, recording around 4 o'clock or so next Thursday. So uh, swing on by, say hello, and uh, thanks for listening to the Minnesota Beercast. See ya. Cheers. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow.